so Tamsak was really huge. So I guess we can go to the the sixties because the sixties were, I think, paving the way. And now, thanks to James, we see that absolutely, uh, you know, we're seeing the yes. revival of that. And I, I, I mean, I'm seeing so much of it now because you see all of these really like they're like new age anarchists. It's essentially what they are. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of that in the truther movement. It's it's a very weird combination, but I don't think... In the truther movement? I call it the truther movement. So there's... I'm not, like the 9-11 truth or like the... No, so that would be like, like the OG. Conspiracy So that would be like world. the OG, I think, truther... Probably right. JFK would be the OG truther movement. Yeah, There's been right, several. Right, right. So every time we have one of these mass scale uh, traumas, this, you know, and I mm-hmm. and I do think this is a Tavistock technique. And through my research that I, I've done, they talk about this. They talk about okay, now we want to take this research that we've done and see how it impacts the masses. We saw that Tavistock even did uh, with the uh, it was like World War II, the bombing of civilians, and it was just to test and see how people re- reacted <sighs> to the trauma. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Just to see. <laughs> like what is wrong? That's why people think like false flags, oh, they would never. They would. Oh, they, would. they do. And they have. They do. And, we, and they do. Yes. And they absolutely Shit. do. Um, so I think, yeah, so there's these several different kind of categories on the like groups on the right because they keep splintering the right. And it's so I always talk about how the power that be, they align ideologically with the left. However, they target the left dialectically too, but a lot of times their uh, their target audience is the right because they want to splinter the groups. And if they can get them to you know divide amongst themselves, they have more chance of then creating their uh, you know synthesis. And you know what? Back to what I was talking about—the concretization, right? So there's the Afhaven to culture that we got from the Frankfurt School, and then what what they want is concretization. So it's a it's a, you know, it's this idea that's similar to synthesizing, but it absorbs the previous elements into something that they they call concrete. But it's a, but the difference between that and what he saw, what you know, Plato and uh, Kant's notion of dialectic was that he thought those were very abstract and remain kind of intellectual in your head. He saw this as, you know, very. Uh, it's no coincidence that Marx then advanced this into what he called praxis, right? You take uh, these uh, reactionary activist kind of theories and then you apply it in practicality. And that's kind of what the concretization is. You take these uh, previous elements of you have the abstract, this idea that's being put into the forefront, and then you have mm-hmm. the haven, which is the uh, sublation. But it's, remember, it's the Created destruction. Yeah, but it's the oxymoron because you preserve and right. lift up while you cancel and tear down. I'm telling you, you have to see the just the image on the art as reevaluation. Everything is scattered. That text I just sent you. Oh my gosh, it's so exactly that moment. Exactly. Well, okay. So, and then of course we get cancel culture from that, and this is where. Of course, you take these two, but then you take the two elements of the previous. So you take this, the idea that it was for forth, the negative, you know, the cancellation, the, the nullification essentially of that. And then that gets absorbed into this new concretization. And then from there, a new idea gets put forth. Of course, the dialectic progresses. And of course, it always progresses left towards the omega point. Um that's a great visual yeah Yeah. sorry i'm visual excellent yeah yeah no that's just great (laughs) yeah and it and i see it just turns left that's really clever so we had in the 60s what did we have uh it was Artie lang uh was appointed as senior registrar at the tavistock clinic in 1956 so Artie lang was very instrumental to the whole lsd movement he left after three years. Uh, it, so after three years of working at, at the British Army Psychiatric Unit. So, of course, this is what they do. They take all of these uh, psychological warfare, military kind of experts, and they're either they create divisions for research or they absorb them into future research under Tavistock. Um, then he began experimenting with LSD in 1960. And then in 1962, he became a family therapist for the Tavistock. Institute of Relations. <laughs> so these go hand in hand, right? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. The LSD uh, experimenter and uh, researcher is now going to be your family therapist. I see where this is going. Um, and then he, of course, met Gregory Bateson while he was uh, 
visiting. So Gregory Bateson worked for the Office of Strategic Services, of course, the predecessor to the CIA. And uh, he led the MK Ultra experiments on LSD and hallucinogens. And uh, he, of course, he with... Uh, so Bateson and Margaret Mead's daughter was Catherine Bateson. And he, she was like a new ager who worked with uh, Gene Houston. And the two of them helped create, this is just uh, later, but I think it's a, it's 1964. So uh, it, no way, I don't know what year that was, but later they helped uh, Hillary Clinton write, you know, it takes a village. So that's a little tangent side note, but I thought that was interesting. Um, okay. So in 1964, Lang meets Timothy Leary. And they author The Transcendental Experience in Relation and Psychosis. This was the Psychedelic Review in 1964. And then in 1967, there was the Dialectics of Liberation Congress. Oh, also, this was... Uh, yeah, okay. So let me see if I can find my other notes on all of that. So we'll take a tangent in a minute and talk about um, Huxley because Huxley was very instrumental in the whole uh, drug and psychedelic revolution and counterculture movement. Um, but I wanted to mention that you were talking about futurists and uh, Fred Emery, who was a senior member at Tavistock wrote something called the futures were in, in 1975. Yeah. And then there was also uh, and this was done as a like government document, I think, with in conjunction with Stanford in Research Institute, yes, with yeah. uh, the changing images of man. And that's going to be one that I'm going to, I think I'm going to do a deep dive. Yes, Jolly West. Somebody wrote, yep, Jolly West. Um, so I'm going to do a deep dive on changing images of man because changing images of man was, I think, so instrumental to what we're seeing today. Um, you know, they really wanted to like all these things we hear about, like changing the behavior of man um, and turning them into and taking them out of the individual into the collective, the group uh, dynamics and making them part of the, a lot of this comes out of that document, the changing images of man. And I think what they they're doing when you were talking about, like with the, this is of course just my, you know, conjectures, but when you were talking about like taking them out of the workforce and now putting them back in, I, I think part of also what's going on is they're, the, you know, part of this dialectical progression is going to be then they're going to create this uh, digital world. So they're they're putting them back into the workforce, right? Yes. And they're studying how they work collectively in groups. I think they're using also this all this technology on the side, right? All the social media groups that are going on. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of a cognitive infiltration that's happening within these, uh, you know, different social media groups. Definitely. Metaverse twinning, I think. Metaverse twinning. Allison McDowell talks about that a lot. I don't know if you know her. I haven't watched her. I've seen like little clips, but I need to, I think I would yeah, like her work. Wrench in the Gears is her, yeah, man. She's She was calling this stuff right before it happened and it sounded absolutely crazy. Yeah, well. You know, like the Metaverse was introduced during COVID, if you'll recall. Like remember, Facebook changed to Meta. And I mean, like right before that happened, I was talking to her and the, and she was just, saying how they have kids, they want to get, like, computers in the hands of kids everywhere, teach everyone to code because they're building the virtual world. And they, and, I mean, it was like... Like, what are you talking about? Are you, what are you talking, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about 50 years. She's like, no, now. I was like, no way. And, like, six months later, it just exploded onto the scene. I was like, wow. Well, we talked about, I, I think we mentioned it briefly last time, the smart cards, um, and that came, she was talking about virtual assistants, like Kathy, the virtual, like check-in homeschooling check-in assistant, like, so the kids know, and they have to like, you know, did you use, do you have your inhaler with you and all this kind of stuff that is definitely came down during COVID and she actually, she saw it all coming. I think a lot of that is programming for agenda 2050, so people can go and look this up right now. It's like on there. And a lot of that is uh, they're using like biometric data um, for to revamp the like health care system. 
And it, yeah, I mean, Allison is saying that we're just preparing to be in an open air prison. We are. That's essentially what it seems like. Well, so the the smart cards, and we, I know we did mention it last time, but I think they're totally related to all of this. And that was done in the '90s under Tavistock. Um, all the research, and it was both the U.S. and the U.K. that they were doing this, and it was all about creating the the global citizen and the the global worker. And they were you couldn't work, of course, without it. And now it was just yesterday. The EU, or maybe it was not yesterday, but it was really recent. The EU passed uh, the digital ID uh, connected to the uh, digital um, wallet. So it looks like that looks like that was kind of foreshadowing for all of that. Um, all right, so yeah, <laughs> um, Huxley. He was the case officer for Britain's opium war. He spearheaded Tavistock's plan for the pharmaceutical control. Oh, interesting. So the drug thing wasn't just about money. It's also about control. It's socially, it's it's certainly a massive social, like, I don't know, I'm sure I've mentioned this, but two of my siblings had drug-related deaths. So one, yeah, one died of, they say died of AIDS, but he died of AZT poisoning after a false positive of AIDS after years of IV drug use, who's completely healthy, and they totally killed him. And then, yeah, and then my sister died with a needle in her arm from fentanyl. She was in, like, some kind of uh, involuntary incarceration. It's a very long story I won't get into, but they were letting her out after 60 days. And one of my sisters and I were, like, calling, like, don't let her out. You cannot let her out. She will be dead within 24 hours. And she was, because you can't, you know, people don't, and it had fentanyl in the junk. But I'm just saying, like, when you see that and you think, like, this is the, the this, there's no reason for this, uh, the entire country to be, and two of my cousins, and my entire country, because of New York, to be just awash in deadly drugs and have this a normal rite of passage for absolutely everyone to dabble with drugs. And some people it catches on and some people it don't. It doesn't. I mean, it's obviously they can control the society if they want to and they don't want to. So the drug thing, it it is such an, a big element of social strata and everything right now, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's, wow, that's so sad. Oh, it's super sad. I mean, my mother had nine kids, and I just can't believe that she can just soldiers on and has such a great attitude. But like, it's and I can see it in too, also with my cousins that it's just devastating. And and I and I and I feel like it's a it, it absolutely has so much power politically, socially, economically. And now you're saying kind of like that you're telling me those people were in on it. To me. You know, it's intentionally a, a psychological tool as well. Yeah, I, and that's what all the stuff they were studying was. Uh, yeah, he was so he was because Huxley was one of their main propagandists and recruiters. He first tried LSD himself when he was in 1955, and he got it from Al Hubbard. I thought that was interesting. They call him Captain, and uh, who we, I, you know, he was rumored to have connections with MK Ultra. Um, I don't know. I don't have actual evidence of that, but who, which one, uh, Huxley, no, not Huxley Hubbard, Al Hubbard. Oh, L Ron Hubbard. Yeah. He was. Yes. Oh, he, yeah. I have a book here about Jack Parsons. Okay. um, Here in Pasadena, who was a Satanist and did the, you know, basically founded JPL or whatever. Right. And he interacted with Algis Huxley um, and L. Ron Hubbard, if I recall correctly. And the idea was they were, L. Ron Hubbard definitely was like military intelligence and started a religion. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's kind of, yeah, what I... Sci- he was a sci-fi writer. A lot yeah, of them are sci-fi writers. Yeah, yeah a lot oh. of them. They're like, that's very big. Sci-fi well, writing. I don't know, know if it's programming or what. Well, we know that, I mean, there's a long history of, I mean, with film and music in general, but there's a long history, particularly with science fiction um, and uh, the intelligence departments. I mean, you go, I actually, one of the speeches I just did, I, I showed like, you know, you can just go on the CIA's website and it shows you, like, you can apply for, you know, to film liaison division. <laughs> I mean, they literally <laughs> have a film liaison 
Greece on the vision. Like, oh, I think there were ads for that recently. Yeah, like, I, I mean, this join is like the CIA, spy on your friends, like you know, whatever. This, you know? <laughs> and then people are like, no, the CIA is not worth that. That's like conspiracy theory. I'm like, go to their website. Like, like here, dude, yeah, I here's the application. <laughs> it's right there out in the open, you know. Um, and they talk about like which films they've worked on and consulted and television shows and yeah. Um, so that that's just like fact. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it was so there was like a handwritten letter between Aldous Huxley and Timothy Leary. Um, and they mentioned as someone talked about uh Jolly West and the this who was a CIA operative, uh MK Ultra operative. And a very good friend of Charlton Heston's. I was very disappointed in Reading that, Charlton Heston, very, very good. Yeah, friends. he was. I kind of like Chuck. Well, yeah, Here, that I'll was show like you my... how much I like Chuck. Do you see that picture of oh. Chuck back there? Oh, yeah, that's, that's you Chuck. are. You're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> a huge fan. That, that's like uh, when I found out about Rudyard Kipling, I was very upset. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. If it's still my favorite poem. But yeah, I mean, it's got to be good. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, if it's not good, it's not going to work. It's got to be good. <laughs> So Huxley notes to he, in this letter, he says, you're right about the hopelessness of scientific approach. These idiots want to be Pavlovians, not Lorenzian ethnologists. But it's so much more efficient to be a Lorenzian ethnologist, isn't it? Especially if you're a eugenicist, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, Pavlov is individual, right, basically? Mm-hmm, yeah. So Timothy Leary consulted the British philosopher who wrote the psychedelic manifesto, The Doors of Perception. And the doors were named after that. Exactly. I mean, hello. Another, I, my favorite, my favorite group. I know, me too. <laughs> First album I ever bought. So he urged Leary to form this secret order. Um, I, I've heard it referred to as like the LSD Illuminati. I don't know what it actually was, but he, he did uh, like encourage him to form this group um, to essentially to brainwash people, but for the betterment of man. You know, they always believe that <laughs> it's for the betterment of man. And he said, and this is his quote, he says to him, that's how everything of culture and beauty and philosophic freedom has been passed on. Initiate, initiate artists, writers, poets, jazz musicians, elegant courtesans, and they'll educate the intelligent rich. Wow. I know. So Marilyn was MK Ultra. No, but she wasn't. I think she oh, was. actually they say she was smart. Yeah. I, I heard that she was smart too. And I I, I yeah. can see that actually. I um I have a book somewhere up here, Mary's Mosaic, I think it's called. And it was about um Mary Meyer, who was one of JFK's last mistresses, who was killed the day the Warren Commission report came out. And she was married to Cord Meyer, who was the uh, head of Operation Mockingbird in the CIA. And mm -hmm. he actually had aspirations briefly of being the president of the world government, Cord Meyer. And, uh, and, in the, and Mary used to turn JFK onto hallucinogenics, which changed his mind about, you know, opened his eyes to some geopolitical stuff yeah. or whatever so it's i for you i think you should it's it was an easy to read book good book i highly recommend i'll look that up i'll write that one down yeah it's so i mean i've gotten a lot of flack on this for this i i've done several shows talking about my theories on i feel like there's a resurgence of psychedelics oh definitely mushrooms are going to be legal in no time oh yeah well and they're doing synthetic i mean definitely yeah See, it's the synthetics, not great, but anyway, yeah. And it's also a little, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't like the drug war, but I'm just saying, they when they commercialize it, yeah, you know, they should just, they should. My father always said, just decriminalize it. You don't have to do anything. Just don't. It should not be a crime. Just, just back away. Regulating taxing is exactly how you get it to be artificial. Oh yeah, high, high charged, promoted. Bad, bad, bad. Well, I mean, I, I'm very recusant. <laughs> so, like, I have major issues with all, like, <laughs> rules, authority. I, yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I thought you were, I wasn't sure if you were saying you have a, pr a big problem with drugs or a big problem with not drugs. <laughs> you don't seem like a druggie to me. I don't. I've done my fair like share, them. but I'm surprised if you've done any. 
I, I so <laughs> really funny story, but like I, I this was years and years ago. But I was in a, I was on a, it was a first date with this guy who was a, like a, he was I think a psychiatrist or a neuropsychiatrist, something like that. And uh, the the music in the club was like very like you know like. EDM type of, you know, very trancey, yeah, yeah. you know, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. It makes me feel like I'm tripping. It makes me feel like I'm on drugs. Or yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, well, you, you have control issues. And I said, did you need to go to like 15 years of school to figure that one out? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I like to be in control of my faculties. You know? Yes, yeah, yes. It, it doesn't make me feel good to be like unaware of oh, what's See, now reality. he sounds like a predator to me. He sounds like a predator? Yeah. Yeah, well, that it would that date was very short. He was shaming you for wanting to have control. Yeah, totally. But so I don't like drugs. I don't like to be. I don't even like to get super drunk. I just feel like. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy a glass of wine or whatever here and there, but I don't like the feeling of being like I don't know what's real, what's not. I don't know what I mm-hmm. said, what I didn't say. That's just me. Um, it's not a judgment That's on great. other people, but personally, I don't like it. But. What I do see is, and, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's chemistry is different. Everybody's makeup is different. But what I do see is there's a huge movement, and I, especially with the hallucinogens, I think it's because they want you to have a blurred perception of reality, and Mm -hmm. they want to bring you towards the, you know, the pantheistic notion of all is one, Mm -hmm. um, to take you out of the dualistic, which is, uh, you know, much more conducive to a biblical type of framework. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, and again, this is not a judgment on people's worldviews. This is just, I think it's much easier to get to, you know, a one world religion, a one world government, a one world, uh, governing body, um, you know, all the things that they're vying for. If you expand people's, uh, perceptions and obviously it's not going to work for everyone, but there's so many stories of people like I I've heard these, there's one, I, I have to go back and look up his name, but he's a Canadian entrepreneur and he was a very kind of conservative, entrepreneurial, like, you know, quote unquote, capitalistic type of uh, individual. And he did a a bunch of uh, hallucinogenics and he talks about how it opened his mind and now he understands why we need to be like global citizens and he's much more open to these types of ideas. And I think that's exactly what they're looking for. And I think it is kind of a, a gateway. And Huxley talks about this. So he says, there will be in the next generation or so a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak, producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire society so that people will... Prozac. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prozac. It's great. Can totally. Prozac works. Prozac. And even, I think, Ted Kaczynski talks about it. You just, you you need it to reconcile yourself with this artificial environment. Totally. So the people will, in fact, have their liberties taken away from them, but rather they will enjoy it, (laughs) right? Because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing (laughs) enhanced by pharmacological methods. And this seems to be the final revolution. And uh, this was a Huxley quote and he said it at the Tavistock Group in California Medical School in 1961. Wow. I think I think that's on tape, right? I, I think it is, actually. I haven't seen it. I've only read it. But because of their smoking guns, they admit it. They and they You can do. see it. Yeah, you can see it. And then that's why when I, I stop like trying to prove to people, like, you say they, you say they. I'm like, I'll tell you they, like, like COVID is an easy day. Look at Event 201. You can actually see the people there. Right. Tavistock, as you're telling us, this entire series has been just a long list of who is they. Who is they, yeah. With respect to Tavistock. And when they say openly what their intentions are, you know, it connects the Institute with the people, with the, I mean, that's what these articles right on their website tells you what they're doing, who's doing it, why they're doing it. I mean, it's all there, but it takes hours and it takes years, you know, to, to research all this stuff. And after like the 10th time that you go down the rabbit hole and you find the day, you find the proof, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can see the pattern. I can see when something like this happens and it makes no sense, it's artificial. It's exactly. been manufactured. It's culture creation. It's social engineering of the mouth. That's any 
any kind of alt person, any kind of like hero, even, you know, I even find myself wondering like, what was, you know, was Ron Paul, like the charming bill of rights guy to like bridge (laughs) us to anarcho-capitalism and, you know, which would later be hijacked. I don't know, but I feel like anybody, it took him a long time to get up there. And he also got completely decimated. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But he, I think he might have been a Mason. And I think that's what people say. Uh, maybe he was yeah. a Mason. So I don't know. But, or like his wife was a Mason, which means he was a Mason. I don't really know. I don't like, think that's women it. That's can the, be Masons, but she might have been a sister affiliate. Right. That's why they say like she couldn't have been. So I don't know. That's the only, only little thread that I ever heard. But all I'm saying is, generally speaking, if somebody goes from zero to 60 or a famous person like flips and is all of a sudden, um, you know, big time truther or whatever, I'm like, you know, that definitely. Definitely is just being permitted. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Or being catapulted. Yeah. One, yeah. One, and the, but yeah. just the dialectical thing, like the conspiracy theory, which it's true. Like the conspiracies are true. You're telling us about it now. Yeah. However, being a conspiracy theorist and being in the silo of like podcast conspiracy theory, like that is being permitted or or yeah. promoted. Yes. I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. And it's a dialectical thing. And as long as you're not going to win, they like to have you there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and if you can promote some sort of reactionary response that's favorable to progressing their dialectical means. Yeah, that's why I just won't go to that. Yeah. The extremes, I, I don't like it. It's not smart. I, that's why I keep reading the newspaper and I'm like, you just have to keep your eye on the, like, you know, the Bill of Rights is the thing. Just I got so distracted yesterday, like going down a million rabbit holes because I am genuinely seeking like some sort of answers. I, I, I understand I won't find all the answers. I get that. But I, I'm still trying to find whatever I can. And I it's so hard to stay focused and to be able to distill it and deliver well, it. Well, and it's so hard because people are so emotionally charged. And I mean, re- and this is by design. They're so emotionally charged. And I'm like, I'm literally just sharing facts. This is not me <laughs> taking a side. This is not me saying this is right, this is wrong, or stand with this or stand with that. It's not what I'm saying. Right. I am literally pointing out verifiable facts. And then there are things that I don't know, but like I'm looking for clues on. Uh, I mean, there's a whole other rabbit hole, but I actually started going down the rabbit hole of the Kazarian Mafia. And what's because one of my pet peeves is like, you know, people will say that the Ashkenazis are Kazarian. So I totally thought that was true until you told me it wasn't. I didn't even know that was a thing. I like that, that was not true. Now, I will just preface this by saying I do think our medical journals have been co-opted and infiltrated by intelligence agencies. Um, the British uh, have co-opted their medical journals. That's that's verifiable. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't do that to American. So, it's, it's again, I can't prove it. That's just a conjecture. Mm. However... That being said, you know, when you find enough, like, information to corroborate something, you know, you can kind of see, yes. okay. It's yeah. on its face so true. Exactly. So there, and, <laughs> and you also, you look at the methodology and, like, the funding of these studies. There have been yeah. countless studies on, and because what, and you just look at the history, but there are actual studies that have been done, and Ashkenazis and Kazarians have no genetic connection at all, but you don't even need a study to prove this. Kazaria... With, they were Turkic. So this was... Pr- but where are you getting Kazarian G- DNA? Where are they studying? They're, they're testing. Where, do, where, where are they harvesting well, they're it? They're looking at the... Who has uh, it? No, no, no. They're not testing Kazarian DNA. They're testing Ashkenazi DNA. But how can they but compare it to Kazarian? The re- none of them come from the region. That would have been... Oh, Kazarian. from the Rus? From the, from the steppe? Well, so there's three... The Kazarians are from the steppe. Well, there's three, like, origins of Kazarian, actually. Um, and I wasn't even sure it was true. I read that Arthur Kessler book, but I think no, he was so an MI6 agent Kessler, too. I think <laughs> he's I think a whitewash guy. Kessler had a little bit of confirmation bias. That's honestly where I go with it. He's a, he's very narrow in his his focus, and I, it's not for me to say he's wrong or it, that's not necessarily it. I just think he he had a thesis and he sought out to prove it. Um, but if you really do the research on Kazaria, uh, they're Turkic people. So this is prior to the country of Turkey, but they would be people who would speak the Turkish right. uh, languages. And that region is not Eastern Europe. Ashkenazi is Eastern Europe. So Ashkenazi do not have Turkic. They do not genes. have Turkic. If you DNA. take twenty three and Me, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to add anybody, but yeah, like it says Ashkenazi. If you're Ashkenazi, exactly. I'm a little bit Neanderthal, which I think is cool. 
Yeah. So I was like 99.96% <laughs> Ashkenazi. Um, they can't tell you 100%. That's why they do say that they're uh, definitely high IQ scorers. So they're on average, the uh, verbal, it's particularly the verbal, hmm. are um, about 10 points higher than uh, standard deviation of, you know, normal. Because I read that that's the reason why there's so many Ashkenazi and high levels of government, but I think there are counter counter theories to that. <laughs> I think, that, yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on there. Um, that, that Man, might someday be a, we got to hit that. That might be a I'm whole other show. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might have to You might have to do some drugs or alcohol to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> we can do the Vatican on another one. <laughs> I, I'm down. I'm totally down. But I started going down that rabbit hole because that was like really like just glaringly obvious to me that this is a misperception. Um, and I, I think really what happened was that there's the Cossacks in, during the Nazi era. And they had claimed to be descendants of the Khazars, and they were pro-Nazi. And I think that's where some of this conflation has stemmed from. I don't know. That's, that's again, speculation. But it makes sense to me that that's where some of this confusion is der derived from, but I really don't know. Uh, but I do know that the... The, there is there was Khazaria, and it's really the whole history of it is interesting. There was actually like you could have dual kingship, and it's a very interesting history. But if this is seven hundred to thirteen hundred, this is a very long time ago. We don't know a whole lot about them. Um, we also don't. We do know that at some point they converted to Judaism. There seems to be uh, varying uh, dates that historians will present. Like one is a uh, uh, the one I see most commonly is a uh, seven forty uh, seven forty. But I've seen eight, like thirty nine, also. So they don't even agree on that. Um, but the the all this just to say that there really was a Kazaria. There seemed to have been Kazarian people. The idea of a Kazarian mafia, I have yet to find any quantifiable evidence to indicate that there was a Kazarian mafia. I'm not saying that there wasn't. There are a lot of theories around it. There's a lot of people presenting, you know, this notion that the Bowers became the Rothschilds and that they're derived from Kazaria. I don't know. I have more reading to do, but that's going to take me a while. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Man, we could really we could go viral if we do a couple of, if we you hit the Ashkenazi and I do the Vatican. And I'm happy to do it because I genuinely am trying to figure that out. But I think there's a lot of people. Uh, people are very passionate. Uh, yeah, it's super emotional. You can't talk about anything. It's like that has that the couple and of I hot button things. Genuinely want, to, and I like even you know as even like for me to be willing to even look at this was kind of, and I I was very open to this Kazarian mafia idea. And actually, somebody said to me, "There's no actual evidence for it." And I immediately went into like, "Oh no, there is." Like people don't dispute this. And then I started digging, and I'm like. Okay, there's Kazaria. There were Kazarian people. There's a Kazarian king. They did convert to Judaism, but they were nice. people who uh, were Christian, Muslim. Uh, there were atheists. There were all sort. There were pantheists, uh, pagans. Mm. Like, mm. yeah, there were all sorts of religions there. And so, this idea of a Kazarian mafia, though, I haven't actually found anything. I would, like I said, I'd have to do some real digging. I, and I might get some books and figure that out. But I don't know if I'll actually come up with the answer, but I'll maybe be closer than I am now. So, um, but anyway, so back to Tavistock, of course, there was all these, there was like the, there was the whole 60s movement, which was definitely uh, the counterculture they were very instrumental in. Um, I'm going to be, there's another book that I'm going to be reading about uh, the, uh, what is it? The, it's called The Mountain of Truth, but it was all about Ascana. Um, and it was uh, Otto von Gross was like the leader of this Ascana kind of essentially cult. And the counterculture begins Ascana 1900 to 1920. Yep. So it's earlier, but I think it was a precursor to what we saw in the 60s. Interesting. And it was, he was like, uh, he was actually <clears throat> in that movie, uh, about Freud and, and Jung when they, they had that like patient that they fought over. Oh, yeah, I need growth. a link for that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otto von Gross. Yeah. So he, I think he was very interesting. I think that was kind of the forerunner to the uh, counterculture movement of the 60s, 70s. Um, and I think that, you know, he was, and I think it's tied to Tavistock because he was obviously influenced by Jung and Freud. 
Uh, he was a disciple of both of them. They fought over him, whatever that means. Um, that, you know, that they played that out in the movie. And uh, I, I do think that a lot of the, and this again is kind of just speculation, but I think a lot of what we saw in the counterculture movement did come out of MK Ultra. So that was in the 50s. Uh, you know, they claim it went through the 70s. So I think that the counterculture movement was, in a way, like a more public face of an offshoot of it. And then, of course, it they really co-opted the arts through this. You know, they and some of this was a like Cold War research too. Um, you know, like a lot of the modern art was uh, used uh, as Cold War research. Um, they were like the Impressionists and the, like Jackson Pollock was an example. Uh, mm-hmm, of war mm-hmm. and of propaganda and research. Um, so then we have uh, uh, Marilyn Ferguson wrote the Age of uh, Aquarian Ex- Conspiracy, and that was also uh, connected to the uh, Stanford Research In- Institute. And it was a study on uh, how to transform the United States into Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Yeah, That's I haven't a- done a deep dive <laughs> on the age of uh, the Aquarian conspiracy, but I that that's definitely on my list to do as well. Oh, this was something I wanted to say. Somebody was saying to me, like, oh, this was on Twitter, <laughs> but uh, I should just stay off there. But uh, <laughs> there was, like, somebody arguing with me about, they were talking about think tanks and uh, how the UN and, like, UNESCO is, like, really involved in think tanks and, you know, I talked about the Tavistock connection and they were like, well, I see Chatham House as being higher than Tavistock. And I was like, you were talking about think tank. Chatham House to me is a, a steering committee. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't really see them as like a think tank per se. But I will say this. You had asked before about the connections of Tavistock and Tavistock seems very connected to all these steering committees. So you could look at it as like a hierarchy. I look at it a little bit more like a web and I look at it as like feedback loops. So Tavistock does a lot of this research um, and experimentation. And I think that they then codify kind of methodology. And then that gets used by these steering committees. So it gets used by things like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the obviously other think tanks like Rand, Stanford Research Institute, Chatham House, Council of Foreign Relations. I mean, we could go on and on, but I think, and of course, the World Economic Forum, some of these ones that we hear of today, uh, you know, the UN, I think a lot of the uh, the research that's done out of Tavistock is being used towards, I've talked a little bit about this, but there's something called the UN 100. Um, so they're basically doing like a centennial uh, imagining of what the world will be in a hundred years anniversary of the UN. Uh, so this is 2045, mm. and a lot of it is what they're looking to do. They're calling it the Age of Global Enlightenment, which sounds very Tavistock, you know. And um, illuminated. Yeah. Enlightenment, illuminated, exactly. like it's all... Well, we already it's know Tavistock has direct connections to Skull and Bones and Illuminati. I mean, that's not that's not conspiracy. We, we've and already, the Enlightenment is a Gnostic the, thing, exactly. I guess. Exactly. Um, but so they're talking about the age of global enlightenment, and this is being spearheaded by the UN 100 uh, group, as well as the Boston Global Forum. Uh, it's Michael Dukakis, the former Massachusetts governor, <laughs> who just celebrated his 90th birthday, uh, has written a book on it. And, uh, you know, he's kind of spearheading a lot of this. But what did you just say? Conspiraheading? Yeah, right, right. No, that was good. I, that was good. Spearheading, <laughs> yeah. Spearheading. <laughs> spearheading, yeah. We, we could I'm gonna have, have to. I'm gonna have to make the, put that in my glossary. Conspearheading. <laughs> Co-spearheading. Conspearheading. Con, yeah. Like conspiracy and yeah. spearheading. I'm going for it. I got to put that in my glossary. Okay, keep going. <laughs> well, he he's very much spearheading this. Uh, Age of Global Enlightenment, and uh, it, what they're doing is they want to make uh, the hub of it in Ukraine. There's a whole like forum they did on uh, rebuilding Ukraine after the war, and you know, so now we know where all of this money is going. Um, but they're making Ukraine the hub for this uh, AI World Society. So that's what they're calling it. It's the AI. Wow, world really. And it's it's essentially like a a cyber Satan, as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah, the AI World Society, and then all of these other cities are going to be hubs that are connected. So like these uh, smart cities, these 15 minute cities, and now they have these like 
C40 cities. Um, so all of these digital cities are now going to be connected to this main AI world society hub in Ukraine. All this to say, um, just because I guess because I'm a doc connector, I can't seem to stay on one thing. Yeah, no, connect. the connections. I think a lot of this research, of course, what they did with the smart cards, uh, you know, the Tavistock was researching, of course, all these social uh, engineering uh, research, this, uh, all the studies with the drugs. I think all of it is tied towards they're trying to figure out how to then move us towards that. I think, I think that they're, I think it's all interconnected. I don't think it's separate. Um, but that is where the UN 100 is moving. And I think a lot of what they're doing also with the, the war, I, this is not to say that the war isn't real or that it, people aren't really being hurt or mm -hmm. any of that. Obviously, I do think that that's happening. But I think a lot of it is a distraction and also to create uh, desperation um, and uh, to force people to then be the reactionaries to want to choose uh, things that will advance this agenda towards the AI world society. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, wow. You did bring it all together. I can't believe it. I was like, <laughs> I've got this girl going in every different direction. There is absolutely <laughs> no way we're going to get there. Well, I do, I do think though that the things that are in the Tavistock website right now just, Prove it all. I haven't seen that, but there's there's a lot of when you you look at like things today, a lot of what Tavistock is doing is a lot of they're they're studying um like uh you know transhuman agendas on teens and tweens. They're doing a lot of research on that. They had a, a forum. They took it down really quickly, but it was like all about um like subconsciousness. And, uh, you know, reality versus consciousness, uh, subconscious, and then collective uh, conscious reality. They had a whole forum on that. I, I can't even find anything on it now. I think I posted it on my Instagram and then that tweet was gone. There's nothing on their website about it anymore. And it had like two likes on it. So it, it didn't get a whole lot of traction. But I, it looks to me like that's they're trying to figure out, like, how do they progress people towards that? Um, yeah. And to create a digital collective conscious. Yeah. I mean, clearly they're, they're, that's what's happening. I mean, that's certainly what they're trying. But is it inevitable? Do you think there's any hope? I do think there's hope. I, I don't know if it's because I'm an eternal optimist or if it's because I think, oh, yeah. So the one more thing. The, uh, so the Changing Images of Man was in 1974. This was uh, right after the British Aquarian Conspiracy. Um, they, so the, the premise behind it, and of course it was like Margaret Mead, B.F. Skinner, Laszlo, yeah, um, who were involved in it, Sir Jeffrey Vickers of the British Intelligence. So their goal was to change the image of mankind from that of the industrial progress to one of spiritualism. A study asserts that in our present society, the image of industrial and technological man is obsolete and must be discarded. Say that it, what say the first the adjective again, what kind of man? So the technological man is obsolete. And must be discarded. Wow. But they say spirituality, which is actually an alternative to religion and not, people think of it as part of religion. Well, I think of it as another religion. And I think of it as right. a religion that runs counter to, you know, a biblical framework. Yeah, something that's structured and objective and clear and can hold authority to a moral standard. That's why, yes. like, I'm just going to take my own example. Catholics are a threat because they're like, you're definitely immoral. I have a higher purpose. Mm -hmm. You can't make me think that way or do that because I have an objective framework of right and wrong in my mind. And you can't. Yes. And that is dangerous. Very dangerous. Absolutely. <laughs> and so this is, so when you look at, uh, when you study like Weishaupt and the Illuminati, they talked about how they specifically wanted, someone said the website changes constantly. I know, that's very frustrating. Um, <laughs> I, they're doing all sorts of shenanigans. But uh, so I'm constantly trying to like screen, now I know I have to screenshot and save an archive and I need to be more organized about that. But I think that, so when you look at the Illuminati, when they talked about, uh, Vaishya specifically said that the reason they were seeking deists was because 
deism was a stepping stone to atheism, which was a stepping stone to the esoteric occult. Because it moves you away from a relationship with God. Deism is a God who's removed, right? No, so deism is not. Deism is this idea of uh, that there is a, de- a, a deity, um, but it's not a, you're not subscribing to a formal, it's not like Christianity necessarily. It's not, it's not a specific framework. It's, but you believe in a creator. You believe in a, a specific, like a centralized deity. Um, but the, my, the reason I bring this up is because a lot of people argue with me that, you know, it's secular or it's atheistic. And I don't think so. I think like this spirituality that they that they speak of is very religious. It's just that it's a it's a religion that runs counter. I mean, it's very mystical. When you look at you know the ancient mystics, they absolutely were religious. I mean, a lot of them were pagans. You know, a lot of them were. Uh, you know, you could argue they were Luciferian. They were Satanist, but that's still a religion. Uh, so I right. I actually think it's the. I think that what's happened in our modern culture is atheism atheism has become a boogeyman mm-hmm. um, because they want to mm-hmm. point the finger. And this is what they did with a lot of us has to do with our education system because they took, they said there had to be separation of the church and state. And so they took religion out of the schools under the premise that, you know, it's a, if it's a government school, then there's no place for religion. However, what did they do? So they claim that it's atheistic or it's secular, but the reality is they've, replaced it with Marxism, which we know yeah. is Satanism. And and I'm not like making, that's not like a hyper- No, really, you've, you've flashed books. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, you have two uh, books on that. Yeah. On Marx Rembrandt as and, and And uh, Ken Gore. But uh, yeah, they can't, they, they cannot excise the religious like framework in our souls and minds. And so they just fill it with something else. Well, they well they want to point the finger at the secular or the because this this is part of the distraction, right? So you you avert the attention one place while you're really pushing something else forward. Mm-hmm. So oh, I think interesting. They're advancing their religion, their worldview, because they're aiming in towards this one world religion, which I think really is kind of a. I, I mean, I don't think you have to be religious to see it looks pretty Luciferian. It looks like that's that's what they're subscribing. Isn't they- the Lucis Trust actually have the chapel in the UN. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, that's I think uh, so. Dr. Lee and I just started a show, and uh, I, I think that's what we're discussing next week is the Theosophists. And oh, uh, you're doing a regular show with Dr. Lee. That's yeah. fantastic. We call it we call it Dangerous Danes. We should bring you on sometime. <laughs> she was. I'm happy to join. But she was the only person who said what I was thinking about the pa- East Palestine thing about the train wreck. She's like, it's not that. It wasn't that bad. Like, the chemicals weren't that yeah. bad. Like, this is a psyop of, you know, and I was like, yes, yes, yeah. totally. I didn't hear anybody else, and then I really, she really won me over there. So that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. Well, I don't need to be on it, but I do want to listen to it. Yeah, definitely. And both. Excellent. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, great. So we're airing it on Mondays. But yeah, the next uh, one we're doing, so the one that we just did was on uh, Rockefeller Medicine and so and cancer. Do you have that book, Rockefeller Medicine? You know how expensive that book is? The Murder by Injection? No. Oh. Rockefeller well, Medicine. Have that one. You do I not? Well, Murder you're by Injection. Probably not getting it because it was super duper expensive. Oh, insanely okay. expensive. Maybe it's back down, but like something in the algorithm made this thing go through oh, the roof. Skyrocket? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but the Murder by Injection talks a lot about the Rockefeller takeover oh, of medicine. So, so true. we did talk about cancer, and that was a, yeah, because most of like cancer being a shell. Of course, the Rockefellers created the American Cancer Society in 1913. <sighs> um, yeah, so that was a, but to me, it just looks like it's a shell because, well, yeah, for a lot of reasons. For but another yeah. day. Well, tell me when, is that what I can listen to with your next so that Dr. One Lee? That will be airing, uh, I think, this Monday, the one on the Rockefeller and cancer. And then the one the following Monday is going, we're going to do one on the, the Theosophical Society. And yeah, the Lucius Trust. So it was Madame Blavatsky who started the Theosophical Society, who popularized the New Age movement. Um, and she, her disciple was Alice Bailey, and she was uh, she started the Lucifer mm-hmm. Lucifer Trust, Lucifer Publishing. People keep arguing with me. They're like, "No, it's Lucius," and I'm like, "Right, they changed the name." Yeah. Surprisingly, it wasn't very popular. Um, <laughs> yeah, How you know, even... it's kind of like they changed a uh, rapeseed oil to canola oil. Yes, because it's not like bad. Found a rapeseed oil. I think 
I think theosophy is the basis of um, ethical culture, which is kind of a religious thing in New York. Um, mm -hmm. And it's sad because I know ethical people who are part of it. Yeah, of course. Well, and, and even... That, um, I think yeah, the well, New Age... Well, this is... Oh, sorry. What were you saying? Just the, in Ojai, California, there was I, I, Krishnamurti, who was supposed to be the messiah of theosophy, broke off and did some other stuff. But he wrote a book that was like about how everything, everyone is so selfish, even love is selfish. It was a very black-pilled kind of book. But mm. I liked him briefly, but then I was like, wait, wait, snap out of it. <laughs> anyway. They're very, very deceptive. It's like, yeah. because it's couched in love and light, right? So a lot of really good people are drawn to it. I don't, yes. I don't like fault them at all. I mean, any more than I fault a lot of like, you know, feminists who fell for that propaganda, you know, it, it's pure propaganda. It's really destructive. Yeah. Um, but they thought they were helping women. I mean, it, it was has to have a kernel of truth. It has to be good for it to work. Yes. And that's, you know, when I talk to a lot of people in psychological warfare in the military, they always say that, that it's 90% truth, 10% lie. Um, yeah. So the one thing I did leave out, um, yep. and then we can wrap it up because I know we're, um, was Huxley started the Esalen Institute in 1962. He was one of the people who helped founded it. And the Esalen movement, so I personally did two of those like training groups. Um, it wasn't Esalen. I've been to Esalen as well. Um, but it was, uh, they, they were called different things because there are many, it became like a franchise, but they're all the same. And they play like these Beatles songs, which of course, you know, the, the whole theory is that Adorno actually wrote a lot of the Beatles music. I don't know that for sure, but that that is the theory. Eustace Mullins is somebody who has put that forth. So is Dr. John Coleman. Um, but these training groups, oh my gosh, they they seem talk about love and light. And I remember they played Imagine every time you walked into the room. The I song hate Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I Imagine remember there's no religion, then there wouldn't be any war. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember turning to my sister and I'm like, this is a communist like propaganda machine. Yeah. Yes. It was like so, I'll tell you, you know, the, there there were two different things. One, I think, was that 2010 Rockefeller study on um, the four scenarios for technology. Do you remember that? One of them was like yes, hack attack and the other. The future scenarios. Yeah. yeah. And then so the, it was, uh, it was uh, lockstep, Operation Lockstep, yes. which was pages 16 to 26 in that document. So, but hack attack had a lot of similarities with the COVID thing, too. You didn't, yeah. there was another scenario if you read them all. So, so I believe I'm just pulling this out of. My memory is that one of the futurists who wrote that was part of the Global Business Network. There was another one like that, like Spars 2017. It might have been that one I'm thinking of, but I think it was this one. And this guy, Peter Schwartz, who was at the Stanford Research Institute, was also at Esalen, and he was of the Global Business Network who wrote that scenario. Yeah. Uh, so they're crazy. all, like, that's there the were, thing. Is, there were many of them. So there was yeah. the Event 201, which a lot of people, and they're now working on the Event 2023. Yeah. Um, there was uh, the... Uh, Modi Sars was the German one. There was Spars document. 2017 Spars document on the Johns Hopkins website is amazing. It's amazing. It lays it all out. I mean, I mean, like even the ice storm in Texas, like it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was called um, All Your Eggs in One Basket, that chapter. Say, yeah. what if there's an ice storm in Texas when the vaxes are getting rolled out? How do you propagandize people who don't have electricity? I was like, not that's ice storm in Texas. It was like, you know, an ice storm right. in Nexus or whatever. <laughs> it was just something similar. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. So, yeah, that is so interesting. Wow, yeah. yeah. There were so it many all, there was so Modi Sars, Spars, um, yeah. yeah. Then op uh, the Operation Lockstep was out of this uh, future scenarios from a technological age or some or error or something like that, and it was in conjunction with John Hopkins, the one you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I oh my gosh, I want to like make um, this. Uh, the name of this show like an acronym for they like Tavistock, Huxley, Esalen. But I don't have a Y. I have a to why? get a Y. Oh, it's for they, the day, T-H-E-Y. I need why, a Y. Um, James will think of a Y. A y. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, okay, so let's wrap it up. I know we agreed we would just, uh, we could go on. Of course, yeah, man, you are a powerhouse. See, it's because you don't do drugs or alcohol. They will slow a person down. They slow a girl down. <laughs> well, I, I can't say that I have, a, I mean, I've definitely had had drinks in my life. Yes, yes, yes. A glass of wine here and there. Um, but no, I, I think that, yeah, they definitely will slow you down. I just don't like to do loud recreational drugs because I feel yeah. like I don't, I can't. I want to be in control. Yeah, of course. Like if I were a woman in a room full of men, I would probably not go out of my way to take a mind-altering substance that makes me less alert. Right. You know. Yeah. It's just. So I don't know. Um, I just want to make sure there's some a thing, little things I didn't leave out. Um, so during the 1960s, Tavistock fostered the notion that no criteria for sanity exists. And that psychedelic mind-expanding drugs are valuable tools of psychoanalysis. In 1967, that this is when they sponsored the Conference on Dialectics of Liberation. And I that I really, I, I haven't done too much research on, but I'm very curious about that because I feel like that's exactly what we're living through now. I don't think that ended in the 60s. But it was chaired by Artie Lang, who we went through before, um, who is obviously a very big proponent of the drug use. And... Uh, I think it's really interesting. They keep talking about how Huxley recruited initiates um, because it, that does seem to be, that was the whole, that was what Brave New World was all about, right? It was these these classes and uh, they were going to be doing essentially like genetic breeding and create a caste system. Um, <laughs> yeah. And well, it, the transhumanism is about that, right? About having different types of people. And I think that they, I really Sad. think a lot of these uh, studies on the transgender were to, are to yeah. foment the transhuman uh, movement. So, yeah. Anyway, I think we can probably go on and on. So we can wrap it up. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you're, you like are hitting the road shortly, right? I mean, I know. yeah. Damn. <laughs> Damn, yeah. girl. Um, so that's super awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I can't believe that we got all the way to kind of the present day, but I do recommend I put some, I'm putting together the show notes like as we speak. So I hope only because I don't, you know, when you say stuff, I'm writing it down. So it looks like I'm not paying attention, but I'm just trying no, no, to write no, down the, great. So you don't the references. Oh, and <laughs> because what, because you just, you lose it forever. You're, we're never going to go back and figure out the 10 books, but now I have them for the show notes. We can put them in there. And I highly recommend people click through because I put those couple of articles that really blew my mind from the Tavistock website in the here and now, it might go down. Like, they might take it down right away. Like, that's what happens with these these books. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a few things. We'll do more Tavistock if you've got it. We'll do... I want to know Courtney the woman. I want to understand... <laughs> What makes Courtney tick? Because I'm fascinated. I always want to interrupt you and be like, really? Oh my gosh, how did you do that? What? How do you know that? I totally need to get into that. your head. We have to do like whatever. What was the Ashkenazi thing you want to know? Oh, is there a Kazarian mafia? I really, and, I kind of want to get to the bottom of that. I don't know that I will, but I'll get closer to the truth. And you got to give me the Jesuit Vatican thing. If anyone can take it, I can take it. I can I take it. I think you can take it just like I can take the Kazarian mafia yes. and the... Yeah, because uh, Jesuits aren't Catholic, in my opinion. Like, Kazarians aren't right, Ashkenazi. Right. They're not Ashkenazi. <laughs> and I don't think Zionists are, you know, I mean, the whole Zionist thing, I really, I do think it was a movement created, uh, you know, by the elites. I mean, we look at the Balfour Declaration. We look at the World Zionist Federation. Oh, do you know that European Jews thought it was an anti-Semitic plot? Yeah, well, it is. That's documented. Yeah. No slash, it is. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, when somebody presented to me this whole theory about, like, the Noahide laws and about the Zionism, this happened in 2020. Do you know what my immediate gut reaction was? This, this was another friend who reached out to me at midnight, and I was like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Not <thinking of> <laughs> yeah. I didn't sleep for two weeks, but but my immediate gut reaction before I read, I, and I'm very open. I will read. I will look. I will investigate. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. But my first Obviously. gut reaction was, this is a PSYOP designed yeah. to divide Jews and Christians against each other to overthrow Judaism and Christianity, both of them. That is what it is intended to do. That was my gut reaction. The more research I do, the more confirmed yeah. I feel in my thesis. And for me, I when I had that radio show in Atlanta, which was, I think, like 50% Black, people called liberals, called to say that reparations were the exact same thing. Uh, they reparations were, were a racist plot. 
Of course. Which I agree, but I didn't expect well, every like single person action, to call. Right now, you 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 don't you you question the you know uh, ability of the person hired or the person who got into a good school because of oh, the yeah. of their skin. It totally flips. Oh, it. it's totally a racist plot because then you put people in the wrong place. You put people. Thomas Sowell did research on that. Like, yeah, or, and, um, and you also you create resentment and anger and yeah. uh, towards these people. When I know. If they had just been there on their own merit, you would Yeah. All right. Well, we've got we've got our next shows lined up. Uh, right. Thank you. <laughs> Have a, a safe trip. It's always a pleasure. Oh my gosh, Likewise. I love it. I really appreciate it, and I cannot wait to listen to you and Dr. Lee. I'll put that in the show notes too. So, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.